Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest edition of Gobbler Country's podcast, Talking Turkey, where today I, Brian Manning, and my co-host John Schneider review the Hokies' win yesterday over Rhode Island 34-17. to A win is a win, and we're going to talk about that, and we'll get in briefly get into next week's game where the Hokies face North Carolina, who come to Lane Stadium atop, tied atop the ACC Coastal Division. John, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm still really sore from the game, and then we were – we were out for an hour this afternoon taking the dog for a walk, our new puppy, teaching her to walk in town. So we were walking through Blacksburg with a jittery puppy. So, you know, she's not, and you've seen her, she's not exactly small anymore. Hey, that kind of bridges into what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is some observations that I had from the sideline at the game. And that is everybody needs to stop grousing. How you know it was obviously not going to be a blowout game is the coaching staff wasn't playing it as a blowout game. The coaching staff was playing this game like it was a preseason football game for the pros. The the thing that I saw first on defense was Bud Foster was not doing anything particularly fancy for seven-eighths of the game. He was rushing three. He was dropping one. I saw Belmar drop into coverage so much, I thought he was a linebacker, honestly. We need to be aware of the fact that defensively, they were playing prevent the whole game. Now, of course, what does prevent? Prevent winning a ball game. But when you're playing, you know, Rhode Island instead of our next week's opponent, North Carolina, running a prevent is nice and conservative. It doesn't do anything fancy. And I think, that's what I, I don't know. You you might agree with me. You might not. They were playing conservative. This was this was uh, we're not opening the book for anybody to see anything. I think that was a smart strategy. I mean, at this day and age, if you don't beat a FCS opponent or somebody who's favored by twenty one or more, if you don't beat a team like that by forty points, you're going to have some angst among the fan base, and that's normal. But the the main thing, this doesn't feel like Furman where that game was every fan had a right to be upset. This game feels a lot different because the Hokies were always in control and they were in control considerably. I know it got to 24-17 at one point, but the game was always in control. The offense, for the most part, it was a bland vanilla offense and that, and that was okay, but I really liked how the coaches let let Hooker sling, sling the ball around. He needed a game like that where he could just sling the ball to his receivers, go deep, 
you know, intermediate passing game. He did a great job. Thought he had a great game. Was expected to have a great game against an opponent like that, but followed up off the Miami game. Very good first two starts for him. And I can't help but wonder what would have happened against Boston College if, if this kid had played originally. I, I know it doesn't matter now, but you just can't help. Yeah, but it's one of those things in the past that you go, geez, coach, you know, it, it may, maybe if you'd just, you know, taken a shot <laughs> or after the second interception said, okay, Willis, sit down. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're not thinking, you're not seeing, we need to talk. I could never understand in that game why they didn't do that. It took them a too long a period of time to pull the trigger on that, especially with the turnovers, because that's what lost the football game. I particularly liked the fact that Hooker was running the offense, even though it was a base, still a base offense. It was, oh man, was it a base offense? I'm like looking at the formations and there wasn't a whole lot of motion. It wasn't a whole lot of playing around. And really, the only time the intermediate routes even were thrown was when the Hokies went, okay, it's time to put this drive away. Let's get this down the field and get it in the end zone because they're getting a little close and we need to get out back in front of them again. So they stood on the accelerator a little bit, let it happen. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. They won going away. You need to understand, and I don't mean you, Brian. I mean you, the people out there listening to us. You need to understand that this offense right now is a little hurt. There are a couple of players that they've got on the sideline that they didn't want to play. They needed to shake the rust off of Damon Hazleton. They worked his butt out. He was going everywhere. He was running sprints up and down the sideline. He was flying. I think the rust didn't help the catches because he dropped. He had two clean drops that if he had caught that ball, the one that was the most perfect pass, I mean, Hooker just laid it right out there in stride and Hazleton didn't catch. I just chalked up and the guys on the sideline did too. Just chalked it up to the fact that Hazleton hasn't been doing this for a quarter of the season. He's been with that hamstring. He's been hurt. So it was really, really nice to see him out on the field. God, is he a difference maker? He's he's absolutely a difference maker. And um, you get Turner back next week, hopefully. I think Turner could have played yesterday, but why risk it? Go ahead and let uh, Hazel. What, 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 what use was it? Get Turner back next week, because I know how much Turner wants to beat North Carolina. Well, there are a lot of kids on this squad that are from North Carolina, including Hendon. How many guys? I mean, <laughs> the squad is from North Carolina. They want to beat Carolina. So everybody needs to take a big, deep breath and relax. Stop with the threats. You can't threaten anybody. They're not firing Justin Fuente. Yes. And we'll talk about it in the second segment here. There are some things that probably need to be addressed. And man, would I wish that I could be a whisper in, in Whit Babcock's ear and get him to kind of sort of push the button here and there, or help his coach push a button because it's a friend that the button needs to be pushed on. And we're not talking firing. We're just talking reassignment, but we'll cover in the second segment. But in this first segment, I'd like to finish covering the game. We accelerated away from them. That last drive, it's not that they didn't want to score the touchdown. I think that it was why. I think the big question was, why do we want to reach in and do more stuff and do more tricky stuff and do more interesting patterns why are we going to show North Carolina what we actually could do? Let's just try the base and see if it gets in. If it doesn't, we'll kick the field goal and 
they're not going to come back. I really think that's what the the mindset was. Yeah, I think so too. And you got the win. And when you look back at the season, in the end of the season, nobody cares if you won 34, 33, 34, 17. It was a win. It wasn't as bad as Furman. We know there are issues here. And hopefully some of these issues will be dealt with in the off season. But we still got six games left. Hopefully one more maybe. But we got six games left to focus on and worry about the offseason stuff in the offseason. A couple of things to consider, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them when we come back after the commercial break. Number one, the play calling, although we need to couch that very carefully with the fact that we've already said and agree that the play calling was gonna be pretty pedestrian anyway. Like I said, the middle of the field secondary, there were some some people that were picked on by what is a pretty good offense. They've got a good quarterback and a couple of really good receivers in the mid intermediate to three second game. They sort of ate our lunch. Now, some of that went away as soon as we stepped on some of the glitzes and changes, but there are a couple of things that we need to talk about, about some of the tweaks that are going to be necessary. So we'll be back after this break. We'll see what goes on. Welcome back as we take a look back at the Hokies 34-17 win over Rhode Island yesterday. Before we left, we talked about some of the offensive observations. We'll try to go over a few defensive observations. And I think Jovan Quillen and Jermaine Waller did not have good games yesterday. Caleb Farley didn't have a bad day. He didn't really get targeted. They didn't really need to target him. He did have a bad pass interference on a third down that could have got the Hokies off the field after one of their scores. You can't be doing that against good teams. but Basically, it was Quillen and Waller, mainly Quillen, because Waller's actually had a pretty good season, considering these corners aren't as good as what we're used to here. But he's actually had a decent season. Quillen, man, it was a rough day yesterday. But I will say that one receiver for them, Isaiah Coulter, I think he's number eight, pretty good football player, actually. They had a couple of good guys. Uh, Their quarterback, Priori, Vito Priori, Paisan, yeah, for those of us of that persuasion. Uh, the 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 issue is how do you deal with a kid who's actually got a good arm and he's a good passer and you have a couple of good receivers, especially a really good one, and you're playing that prevent defense? Well, you know, it's keeping him in front of him. And it seemed like I would have rather had Bud, if he was going to do that, mix it up better, that he would have gotten to a certain point and say, okay, by the 40-yard line, we're going to tighten it up and we're going to, you know, we're going to run a couple of not necessarily blitzes, but we're going to rush the floor and we're going to make sure that we collapse the pocket on the kid and really push him real hard, you know, get a couple of picks or get a couple of knockdowns. I, I would have liked to have seen a couple of more of those, but the fact of the matter is they did do that. Eventually, by the end of the game, they were running some stunts and going a couple of corner blitz. Well, it was safety blitz. Chamari Connor blasted Priori. He just came free on a safety blitz that just yeah, that was that was on a first and goal at like the five yard line. Yeah, when they were having some momentum, Rhode Island had some momentum there to try to to get it back down within I think ten points. I think it was they would if they would have scored it, it would have been a seven point deficit. But yeah. Connor came on that sack and pushed him back all the way back to the 19-yard line. That was done once he once he did that. That was such a big play. And we want to say something about Quillen and Waller and having a kind of a rough day yesterday. Connor, Connor was exactly. Most of the season, 
he he's been terrific and he's not going to get the credit he deserves because as a whole the defense isn't very good but outside of him I thought that Alan Tisdale had another solid game he's just a, he's going to be a really good player he just he needs the reps he continues to need to be on the field and I also thought Narell Pollard I, I watched him specifically on the inside that kid's going to be good and he's a true freshman D tackle usually those yeah. guys don't play true freshman and he's coming in here and as the season's wearing on, he's getting stronger and more comfortable, making some plays on the inside. He could be the he could be the next guy who in the mold of like a Luther Maddie or somebody who was wasn't as highly recruited but ends up being a multi year starter, all ACC type player that, that we really need up front. Yeah, I, this is the kind of game where you look for that. Here's the hint. When you're watching the second and third preseason pro football games. That's the kind of game you were watching yesterday. You were watching coaches with specific things they wanted to accomplish and specific ways they wanted to accomplish them. They didn't want to tip their hat. They weren't running the big, deep, you know, all all of the fancy plays or anything else. The one thing that I'm really, I'm concerned about, Hooker, they were giving him a good workout and everything. And when they wanted to run the intermediate pass, patterns and the intermediate pass plays they were but I wanted to see some more of that not necessarily because I wanted to see more first downs and touchdowns and stuff well everybody wants that I wanted to see more of it because I think Hooker's really good at it and I wanted to see Hooker get a chance to really check down and read and take that third read and just slide out of the pocket to the side and find that open receiver under the zone I wanted to see that. And what I saw was two patterns out in the field. I I saw one deep pattern and one, if it was covered, it was blown. And the short side, when they decided to run the real intermediate passing routes, would have happened? Hazleton scored twice. Dalton Keene scored once. The real Hendon Hooker offense is just bubbling under the surface and I really want to see it. I want to I want to see it get a chance to run. Before we wrap up this discussion on the uh yesterday's game, I want to note that we we finally got the for the second straight week, we got Keane and Mitchell involved. Mitchell only caught one pass, I think it was a deep pass down the sideline. It was a beautiful throw and he's such a good player. He lines up on the outside a lot too. But we got to keep keeping those guys involved in the offense and they're diff- yeah. Both guys are different makers. As long you need those two guys, you're, you're you have six really good weapons. And when I when I think about Tavian Robinson and Hezekiah Grimsley, Trey Hazelton, Mitchell, and Keen, but and you know Caleb Smith is not bad either. But I think you got some weapons there that can make life difficult next week. And I want to see those tight ends stay involved. Yeah, I really do. I think uh, I think as the lesson we come out for our last three minutes of the segment, the lesson that come out was. It's a win. We're starting to see the makings of the 2020 offense, and it's going to be pretty cool. It just needs a few more things to gel, and these big, huge kids that are that they have as true freshmen starting in the middle of the offensive line. I, I you know, they are playing some football, and they're going to get better. <laughs> so. Everybody just needs to be patient. You just can't grab everything all at once. This is going to take some time, and there's going to be some major changes. Well, now, what do we have? We have next week is North Carolina. That was then. Rhode Island was then. It was a W. 
Now we have a, this is a different world. North Carolina is not a bad football team this year. They are not Larry Fedora's Push disaster of last year. They, they, these guys, they're not the best, they're, but they're about where we are. They're another peer team. Duke, I thought was a peer team. I'm wrong. Duke is not a peer team. Duke's a better team than we are. They have better talent right now because it's better developed. They're older players. And they're going to challenge for the number one spot to go get beat up by Clemson. What's going to happen is, though, we need to come in in good good order. And that means next week beating North Carolina. Yep, and North Carolina's coming into the game. We'll come into the game next week with a 3-3 three and three record with a 2-1 and one t- atop the Coastal tied with Virginia and Duke atop the Coastal. So, and Carolina was off this week, so they're coming in off a bye. So, that's always a – a nice thing when they get a, a week to prepare for you. But I don't know what team to expect on this North Carolina team. They lost to Appalachian State. And while it's not like a joke, people want to make a joke about Appalachian State beating Michigan all those years ago. Appalachian State's a really good program. They're notched down, but they're a really good program. Then they they almost beat Clemson. So and I, I hope that took they beat Georgia Tech after Clemson. Georgia Tech's horrible. But Clemson I, I hope that kind of took everything out of them and we can we can get him this week. I know their quarterback's very impressive. Yeah, he's he's got ups and downs because he's a noob. He's but a true freshman. He's on the good side of noob. Yeah, he's a true freshman. This kid is learning. He's going to be dangerous he's, he's next year and the year after. He's got some Baker Mayfield to his game. I, I don't mean all the track recent headlines about Baker. I just mean he's, he's got some moxie and he's not afraid of, of getting in someone's face and he's a gunslinger. So. The Hokies will have their challenges with, with those guys. Yeah, and Quillen and I think Waller could pick it up. I'm not so sure about Quillen at this point. I don't know where his head's at or where his body's at. You know, he's been up and down. Uh, I think he's going to get challenged next week. I think the def- I think it's going to be the key to the defense. I don't know if North Carolina's defense is going to be able to completely stop us. And if we play the intermediate game and if we've been cagey about it and been hiding some stuff, we might we might actually be able to score some points, which I think this team this year is going to have to do that. This team needs to say, okay, the minimum number of points we're going to score on any game is 28 points. We have to beat 28 points. And the reason why they got to do that is because the defense is just not that good. I mean, it's good sometimes. And it's not good other times. So it's so inconsistent. You can't say that it's really very good this year. It's better than last year, if you can believe it. But that's the way I think it's got to shake out is this offense has got to pick up the team this year. And that's the last that we're going to do on this as we as we go out of the segment here and out of, out of this podcast, which is something that we're going to be talking about with our recruiting series that's coming up. And it's probably going to be three or four podcasts that we're going to talk about with some guests, talk about recruiting. It's going to be very important because it's background material and information that most people don't understand or know about. But the other thing about it is we have certain kinds of players with certain kinds of capabilities, and we have an offense an offensive coordinator and that doesn't seem to be making the connection. I mean, I think that's going to be the hard part that coming up 
is separating Justin Fuente from his attitude that everything's just fine and he's not having any problems play calling when everybody from, you know, my daughter who loves football and knows a lot more than she says she does. And my oldest son, who's a football head, Brian, you've been talking to him for a couple of years now and people on the sideline coaches that I know that have run into on the sideline, high school coaches, they're all saying the same things. These game plans are not matching the player's skills and they're not matching the situations and something's going to have to change. And that's going to be the hard part. And that's probably going to be a show all to itself that we'll probably talk about later on. And, you know, in the, in the season, as things start to close out and we figure out where we're at, we already are going to have a DC, DC change. It might be wise for Wit to pat his prize coach from three years ago on the shoulder and say, look, you know, sometimes it's really hard, but this is a business, this is business. And sometimes business and friendships get in the way of each other. And uh, right now I think the, good business decision is not being taken. So that's just my personal opinion. All right. We'll try to wrap this thing up here and uh, we'll have more on next week's opponent, North Carolina later in the week in our next podcast. We'll preview the game on both sides of the ball more in depth. Everybody have uh, a good read. We get some pictures that I'll be putting out and we'll be doing some, I'm going to write up a review how those, five challenges sort of came out that's going to come out here pretty soon and we're going to have like i said the recruiting podcast is coming out that's going to take a little while because they're pretty big segments and they take a while to edit but we are charging on down the road and we are pokies so let's keep with the team let's not lose heart it's going to be a tough season this year this is 2020 not 2019 Go Hokies. Go Hokies.